Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today's episode, we'll be talking about coaching and training with a purpose. Today's guest is Stephanie Earle. She's a strength and nutritional coach who works with beginner lifters to international uh, level powerlifters. She's based primarily online now and coaches in person based out of Kitchener-Waterloo in Ontario. She is a competitive Team Canada powerlifter and looks forward to the 2021 season. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. So, so happy to be here. Absolutely. So, Stephanie, give us a rundown of how you came to this exact moment. You know, talk about your lifting career, your studies, you know, getting into this coaching um, industry and coaching um, atmosphere. Just kind of give it to us. Yeah, wow. I <laughs> I always get so overwhelmed when I get that question because I don't know where to start. I feel like, um, so the day I turned 15, um, my parents were were like, okay, you know, it's time to get a job and hard work and all those things were, you know, two core values of both my parents. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, the day I turned 15, I waltzed into my gymnastics gym at the time. And I basically just kind of asked for a job. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, a 15 year old coach at the time can only do so much. Mm -hmm. I feel like I stood there a lot with my arms crossed, um, more than anything. But I started just shadowing a lot. I volunteered a lot. Um, You know, up here in Canada, we need 40 hours of volunteer work to graduate high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did all my volunteer hours there. And that's kind of where I fell in love with coaching. Like I love teaching things that I was so passionate about. And as I grew older, I started, you know, kind of phasing out of gymnastics a little bit. I feel like gymnastics in general has like a really short lifespan on someone's body. Mm-hmm. You know, you peak at 16 and things are basically just kind of downhill <laughs> after then. Um, and then it wasn't until university that I discovered uh, the world of like health and fitness and strength training. Um after first and second year, um, I kind of, you know, was focusing on whatever a first year, you know, would do. I was making friends and trying to join clubs where I could and try to socialize and kind of figure out my ground and where I belonged in the university. Um, mm-hmm. And then come second year, I just found I kind of wanted something a little bit more. Um, you know, I was kind of tired of, you know, going out all the time. And I was just looking for something a little bit more value, valuable in my life. And that's something that also supported me succeeding in my studies. So my friend at the time, um, he was like, have you ever tried CrossFit? And I was like, no, that's, that's crazy. I've definitely never tried it. And he took me to his first CrossFit workout. And for those of you who are listening, who've done CrossFit, it was November 11th. So it was Remembrance Day. And it was a hero workout. So my first whatever was a hero workout and I absolutely died like I was <laughs> the hardest class ever but I was hooked like I was addicted to it right from the get-go and it was something that I it was like challenging in an aspect that I've never really been challenged before so I stuck with CrossFit for a bit I instantly fell in love with it um, I started coaching uh, kids classes and um, dry land hockey training camps that we used to run out of the CrossFit gym over the summer months because we were right beside an arena So I started doing that and, um, you know, fast forward, I got my level one, I got certified and then I started coaching at the University of Waterloo. And so then I was around um, varsity teams, like the football team and the hockey team quite a bit in the weight room. And they started asking me a lot of questions that were more 
um, strength and sports specific. And I instantly started enjoying that a lot more. When I graduated, that's when I kind of kissed CrossFit goodbye. um, And I started pursuing powerlifting. So this was four years ago now. And uh, I instantly fell in love with it the day I did a meet. And I continued coaching and training all throughout that time. And once I started powerlifting, that's when I really kind of refined my specialty in terms of coaching as well to primarily strength training and strength and, and coaching strength athletes. So, um, you know, I, I really, really love it. I'm so passionate about it. And I feel like gymnastics will always be my, my first love, but powerlifting and strength training, whether it's a general fitness client and teaching them to grab a barbell for the first time or supporting the dreams and aspirations of a competitive powerlifter and those kinds of athletes like I'm here for it 100% and I feel so lucky to be able to work with such a great client base um, and who all have like a shared passion of mine too so it's been great it's definitely been a wild four years for sure but I am so like happy where you know the community that we've built and I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Awesome. So two questions based off what you just told me. And the first one is, do you feel like your gymnastics background played a role into your evolution into powerlifting or how fast you picked it up? Whew, I don't know, man. Honestly, there was a lot of habits that um, maybe going into CrossFit wasn't a great idea because a lot of gymnastics is they don't teach proper bracing techniques in gymnastics. It's like mm-hmm. suck it in and be tall and have really long lines with your arms and your legs. Like it's, it's actually kind of a little bit opposite of what, you know, you would teach a lifter to stay compact. So mm-hmm. I, but I think the terms of like, uh, like general fitness, um, like a general athletic ability or someone's um, athletic ability was transferable. So me being able to pick something up faster was good. Um, however, there was a lot of uh, things that I had to get unlearned as well, especially yeah. when I went from CrossFit to powerlifting, because um, there was a lot of things that got overlooked. Like mm-hmm. I never got taught in CrossFit how to maintain a strong foot, or I never got taught in CrossFit how to do, you know execute a dead bug properly or how to mm-hmm. retract my scaps properly. It was just kind of moving things A to B, which I think is similar to gymnastics. Um, but I think um, the term like, you know, if you're constantly trying to immerse yourself in new sports and you're putting yourself through different challenges, I think you're going to increase your athletic ability in order to pick things up. So I think it kind of helped me in an indirect way, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that I had to undo. <laughs> okay. If, if, you know, from your start of, you know, what, when you walked into the, into the gymnastics uh, gym fit, like, at the age of 15, would you say you have seen yourself where you're at right now? No way. Yeah. And what what's crazy to me is the speed at which the strength community is growing. Younger people and younger people every single year are grabbing a barbell more and more. Like if you even go to a junior meet or junior provincials here, every single year, I swear the sign up rate and the athlete number almost doubles. It's actually crazy. And I wish I even knew what a barbell was when I was 15 years old. Like we had super gym, this uh, program called super gym in my high school. Mm-hmm. And it was like in the, it, it was in the weight room, but you know, the girls would be in the classroom next to it doing P90X ab ripper <laughs> every single oh, wow. day. And then the girl, the, the guys were in, you know, the weight room benching every single day. Like it wasn't anything crazy. That's mm-hmm. really all I knew in terms of weight training, but 
but if you're a long, young listener, like you're, I feel like you're extremely lucky. And I feel like the earlier you get into strength training, whether it's to support the sport that you play outside of the gym, so like football or hockey, it's only going to help you long term. And I think, you know, the power of the barbell is definitely underestimated, especially in younger athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know when I was younger, what we had as far as uh, first of all, YouTube was not where it is now. So that's first and foremost. And then yes. as I was graduating high school in 2010, that's when kind of like CrossFit was starting to come across. So you started seeing bigger communities of or these gym communities before it was just kind of like you had like a commercial gym and then maybe a couple of gyms here and there that had opened up. Um, but before that, for me to be able to train as a baseball athlete, I would look in, a, in our magazine that we would get for high school, which is the Stack magazine. It would have a few, a few exercises on there. I would literally cut them out, put them in, into it like a little binder, and basically I would create workouts of what I thought was good because I said, well, I want to get stronger upper body, so I'm going to do these exercises. I'm trying to work my core, I'll do these exercises. So I had this makeshift kind of like workout uh, protocol or program that I had just – it's almost like it's, it's like a – what are the, it's like a collage version of, you know how when you have these assignments in high school or wherever actually, where you had to cut up pieces of magazines and put them in like a, I guess a vision yes. board or collage. That's what <laughs> I would do for these exercises. Um, now, like you just mentioned, you have not only the access to gyms and facilities that are like a high caliber, you know, and easily accessible, but you also have content and resources online to where you almost don't really even have to leave your house and you can you can do really well and train as, 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 as in depth as you want. So yeah, I highly, I highly um, agree with that, that now uh, the younger athletes are being more exposed to it, um, are, you know, feeling less uh, apprehensive of lifting heavy and lifting with certain, uh, you know, lifting with certain uh, demographics. Cause before, yeah. if you, lift, if you lifted heavy, you're going to get hurt. And, you know, if you did this type of exercise or this, this, you know, you, you know, you were deemed for, for injuries or whatever, but now, yeah. you know, with all these resources and coaches and all these things that we have available, you're starting to see a lot more um, younger athletes getting into it, uh, which is really good to see. Absolutely. I totally agree. Like the power of having, even if you're, let's say a hockey coach and you coach hockey teams on ice, having a fantastic strength and conditioning coach who understands not only the sport of hockey, but also understands basic mechanics and the way mm -hmm. that the body works underneath load is so important. Like if your athlete can't even execute a dead bug properly or brace under a barbell and a squat properly, um, those things correlate to explosive power on the ice. And mm -hmm. if an athlete can't even keep his rib cage locked down when he's doing his strides on the ice, that is probably only limiting your athlete really. And especially there um, that can obviously make them you know, more susceptible for unprepared movement, which in my opinion is one of the leading causes of injuries in athletes. It's just unprepared movement and not actually understanding proper biomechanical patterns and how your body should function when you are trying to be explosive. Um, but yeah, that's just something I've learned over the last few years, I guess. I mean, that goes right into my first question, which is going to be, what do you feel is the most important part of training? Oh, man. Um, you know, I can talk about the science behind training and everything, but I think enjoying enjoying your training. It's so simple, but finding a program and finding some sort of, whether it's strength training, whether it's Zumba, 
spin, like anything, being active is a key to not only happiness and wellness, not only in a physical aspect, but a mental health aspect too. And enjoying what you're doing most days is super important. And no matter what you choose, um, whatever, you know, whether, whether it's powerlifting or general fitness or anything like that, I think you need to enjoy it and you need to understand the benefits of what it's doing for you. And you can't always see it as, as a chore. And that's not to say that you're not going to see it some days as a chore, but I think if you love it as a whole, um, I think that's super, super important because these days, especially with terms of social media, you know, someone will see, you know, a girl doing X, Y, Z. And then just because that they want to maybe look like them or, you know, they want to succeed in whatever they're succeeding in, like they want their life, they'll try to do what that person's doing, but they don't really like it themselves. And I think mm-hmm. that's super problematic. Um, and I, it's not like I, I really think it's important for people to kind of step back and try new things, but don't stick with something if you don't like it. And I feel like this day and age, um, you know, there's this huge, um, thing like don't quit quitting's for losers quitting's for people who are weak it's like no like mm-hmm. if you can recognize as fast as possible that hey you know what this isn't for me and you can kind you have the strength and ability to pull back and try something new to me that's not weakness at all and that's just something that you're searching you know you're still on your quest trying to figure out what you love doing and I have nothing but respect for that um in the end, fitness is fitness. And what that means to you might be different to me and might be different to the person who's listening. Um, But just getting up and moving around and finding something that you enjoy and something that you can stick to is super important. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it around the head. I mean, yeah, you can go through the sciences. But uh, one of the things you mentioned right now was to be able to enjoy it. And one of the things I got out of that is consistency, right? Exactly. One of, the biggest things, one of the biggest things in any program, right? You can be like this top-notch, high-level coach with the most perfect program, but if your athlete's not following it, it's really there's not going to be anything to There's not going to be any results. But if somebody just as easy, you know, goes to like a simple program, but is consistent with it and understands it and kind of like buys in, they're going to have much more of a greater result and, uh, you know, and they're going to enjoy the whole process much more um, because, again, they enjoy it. They're consistent with it. So, yeah, 100 percent. I think a lot of people get, I think a lot of people get like, uh, I guess the strength conditioning version of writer's block where they get really scared of doing a program because they're not sure um, if it's the right one or, mm-hmm. you know, is, is this everybody else, uh, what everybody else is doing? You know, exactly. I like it, but, you know, now my friends like it, you know, but a lot of times just starting and enjoying what you're doing can lead to, I mean, kind of like your example, you, you were in the gymnastics culture and kind of like sports kind of led you into now where you're at now as a powerlifting and strength conditioning coach, which you Mm -hmm. yourself didn't see yourself doing. But a lot of times when we start something and we like it and we enjoy it and we start to understand it, we start to understand other things a little bit better as well. Exactly. And one thing that I said to one of my clients um, this past week, or it might've been last week in their check-in is enjoyment is directly equivalent to progression. Enjoyment is progression. And if you don't mm-hmm. enjoy it, it's going to be really hard to progress and, and vice versa. And I think it's super underestimated and people sometimes will even go as far as 
like almost lying to themselves. You see it a lot with, um, especially if you have an athlete cutting or if someone's dieting for the first time, they'll almost create this situation or scenario in their mind that they're following it and following it and they're not. So in turn that they're like almost engaging in self-sabotage behavior and Mm -hmm. they're telling themselves that they almost feel guilty for wanting to step away. And Mm -hmm. stepping away and finding something else is totally okay. Um, And understanding, like exactly what you said, understanding what you're doing is so important too. Because if you're, if you don't understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, like it, it it gets really hard to stick to, right? So, and I think that's Mm -hmm. a really important quality for a coach to have. Um, Some people can benefit from an eight week program, like a template program, for sure. Especially if you're a beginner, anyone can see progress on anything if you're a beginner, if you stick to it. But what kind of separates the beginners going into immediate and intermediate and advanced are those who understand where they're on their program, where their program's going and like what's next. They can see the whole, um, you know, the whole cloud of everything. They understand what their purpose is and why they're doing it. And I think that's in itself has its own power. Um, Yeah. Yeah, having that awareness is, is crucial, right? And understanding if you don't like it or you don't see it working, having that conversation with your coach or maybe even having that conversation with yourself and seeing, okay, I like this to this point. Why did I like it? Or why was I so consistent with it? And something I see all the time too, which you kind of alluded to earlier was um, the no pain, no gain, right? Like if you are... <laughs> You know, if you're what you're doing is causing some type of weirdness or you're feeling your body kind of deteriorate or maybe you're just Mm -hmm. not feeling good through what the program you're doing or um, you just, you know, it's just not fitting well, that might mean something. Right. So having that awareness of saying, well, you know, I enjoyed it or I was. Uh, it was working really well up to this point, but there's something that needs to change. Is it the program? Is uh, what I'm doing? Is you know some of the communication between me and my coach or whatever it may be? But sometimes we get scared to kind of question or uh, have an input because we get taught early on as an athlete is to kind of like suck it up, move forward, keep moving, keep moving. You have the light at exactly. the end of the tunnel, but being aware of what's happening is almost just as crucial as believing in and buying in because buying in doesn't mean kind of putting on the shutters and just, you know, going in there blindly is being mm-hmm. able to, to understand what you're doing uh, and learn, be a student, not just, you know, a exactly. follower, you know, yes. being a student of whatever sport, whatever program, even if you're just walking. Right. And I tell to tell this to some of my patients that are a little bit older um, is, you know, just going for a walk. You can learn a lot by yourself and you can get a lot of stuff out of it. Now, if you start walking and you start understanding, oh, well, you know, my cardiorespiratory is getting better. I'm able to sustain this a little bit longer. Let me add a couple of new things. So even the, the simplest things you can add on to it if you understand what you're doing and the same vice versa, if it's getting too difficult. Um, so, yeah, I completely I completely agree. And then. The answer to that question was perfect. If if you enjoy what you're doing, that's probably one of the pinnacle and kind of like the foundation of stuff to your training is enjoy what you're doing and keep learning. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah, I love that too. This next question I have I have for you, like I mentioned earlier, Stephanie, is when I was scrolling through social media, I found this post and it talked about a, a couple of questions that I'm just going to share here with the with uh, the listeners. A couple mm-hmm. of questions was. What message do I want to get across to my clients and what makes them feel successful, which is in turn will make me successful. And I found this to be almost like a coaching mindset. Oh, and the other one was, what is my purpose as a coach? And I think 
um, as as whatever type of figure you are, whether leader or coach, or, you know, you can be both of those, a teacher. I think questioning your purpose, questioning kind of like your uh, thought process is healthy and I think should be constantly done. Um, I think sometimes when you're either through success um, mostly, usually, if you know, if you're really successful and people are kind of like doing really good, you, you don't really change too many things. But it's usually the really good coaches and good leaders that see and be like, all right, how can I get better from yesterday, right? And, and not get to that complacency. But what mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about is, first of all, how'd you come up or how'd you get to these questions? Because this doesn't just kind of happen out of the blue. So, what led <laughs> you to these questions? And yeah, what, what, what are some of your answers to these? I feel like as a good like a good coach can a coach can always just tell an athlete to do something and they can always just Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like what separates uh like a coach from like a good coach is coach or not even really at all like if you're just telling an athlete to do something you're not coaching at all coaching Mm -hmm. is a conversation to have between two people it's like a teacher a good like if you remember your favorite teacher from high school why, mm-hmm. why do you remember that teacher? There's always one, every single person I talk to, there's always one, one teacher that they remember and that they really enjoyed their classes. And that's because they, A, built a relationship with their students. So they actually genuinely cared. And I feel like they spent more time listening to their students and hearing their feedback um, more than telling. And I feel like listening and creating a dialogue based on what your athlete or what your student is telling you is super important because in the end, there's not one way to teach a squat. There's 150,000 different ways. And every single athlete speaks essentially a different language. And if you don't understand where the athlete's coming from, I think it's really, really important for you to kind of step back as a coach and be like, okay, this athlete clearly isn't getting something, you know, if they're not executing something week over week. And maybe it's because they're just not being receptive to it. But if you can, you can tell when a client's trying and they're just mm-hmm. not getting it, usually frustration. And especially with the girls that I coach, mostly tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that's, that's super important. So I think I'm constantly, I think in that same post, my first job interview of like a true strength and conditioning coach was at University of Waterloo where I went to school. And one of the first questions, I literally sent down in this interview and um, my employer was like, what's your training philosophy? And I'm like, holy shit, I don't know. Like lift, he- lift heavy. Like what? There's different philosophies to a barbell. Like what is one of them? Like, I just had no idea. Like I just was so passionate about everything and I didn't know, I wasn't aware of all these different languages that everyone speaks. And um, like what my coach constantly tells me too, there's more than one way to skin the cat. And every mm-hmm. single person, especially in the world in the bodybuilding world, um, you know, a contest prep in the end gets someone super lean, but every single person who steps on that stage at the end of that prep went around their prep completely different than the person beside you. And it's definitely interesting to see that sometimes, um, even the, the, the same goal at the end, how many different ways other people have got there. And, um, I think what's really important, you know, as a coach to constantly ask yourself how you can be better. Um, one of those ways is to understand that there's more than one way to go about a problem or an issue. Um, Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, I'm constantly kind of developing and I have, you know, certain values and stuff that I'll always stick to. But I think that 
those it's okay for those things to develop over time like I'm constantly learning too and if I if I expect my athletes to constantly be you know learning um I should also lead by example and continue to learn as much as possible too and a lot of that you know you can learn a lot from your athletes just by being able to have open conversations and listening to them yeah absolutely I mean just before I lose my thought on that what you just said I mean I, especially through my years now as a therapist and coach, what I find is if you listen, you get most of your information, 99%. So let me draw this out for you. So I, a lot of the, some patients I see have like an orthopedic kind of physical therapy problem. And then the other half uh, is more like recovery based um, issues or maybe movement deficiencies. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have a whole bunch of orthopedic tests I can run them through and movement stuff and like systems like, uh, you know, assessments that I can run them through and, and questionnaires and stuff. But what I find is if I write, ask the right questions and listen, I get 99% of my information just from what they're telling me. If I am open enough and, you know, listening to rather than thinking about um, the next test I'm going to do or what I'm going to do with them in that session. If I spend 10 to 15 minutes of talking and listening, or should I say listening to that person, um, it gives me most of the information that I need and everything else I'm going to do throughout is just a kind of fine tuning and making sure that it's aligned with what their goals are and uh, what the program is about, whether it's you know a strength conditioning program or like a rehab program. So I 100% agree with that, but I also agree with the other two you mentioned, which is building a relationship and then caring for the athlete and their goals. Like if um, this is saying that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a really profound, no matter what you're talking about, whether it's like healthcare or health and fitness, like if you're building a relationship with this person who's in front of you, that's where you start to get this buy-in that we talked about and you start to build into this consistency in the program that you are, are, are creating for them. Cause Absolutely. again, you know, as a coach, as, as a coach, we're not perfect, right? There's going to be like mistakes and stuff that are going to go along the way. And it's almost like a live experiment happening right from week to week. You can 100%. create, this, you can create this eight week program, but it doesn't mean it's going to go exactly. I mean, ideally it will go, you know, exactly how it goes, but it might go a little bit worse or it might not go as good. And actually might go better than you went. And you still have to, you have to pivot because they're progressing so well. Um, mm-hmm. So building that relationship um, gives you that insight from that client on some things that aren't, that you can't necessarily see. They have to tell you, but you have to earn that trust from them. You know, like, exactly. hey, like I'm going through this stuff with my family and I really don't feel like um, training or, you know, I'm having a hard time keeping my, my head in the game. And sometimes, you know, it takes weeks before an, uh, or maybe at all before an athlete tells you something like that because you know that they're struggling but they're struggling not because of physical stuff you know you know they can lift that why aren't they lifting that or you know they can perform better why aren't they performing better but it's not until you build that relationship that they're not going to kind of express that and open up that uh, that avenue for you and exactly. again and caring for your athlete is the other one um because which is going to work into my next question, but um, caring for your athlete, I think is important. And if, uh, like you mentioned, everybody has specific goals, it might not necessarily be super aligned with our philosophy, philosophy and what we think is right, but that's something that they want to work on. So maybe compromising a little bit on that would be um, kind of meeting them halfway, but also understanding their goals is going to help you program to a um, plan that you know that's going to work, but also is going to work towards something that they're going to, 
uh, work, you know, 10 times harder because that's something they want to achieve. So that was great. I think that's a great comparison to being a complacent coach and being a really good coach. More importantly, being a student um, as well, uh, rather than just a coach, because like you mentioned, you had that one question that was asked to you, which opened Mm -hmm. up this whole box. Uh, which I I think it should be, it should happen very often. And I think, you know, which is one of the good things about the health and fitness, but it can also be one of the bad things where you're constantly being ridiculed on like the minute stuff. But even those things can help you kind of reflect on what your, your philosophy is or, you know, what your strategies are and constantly uh, building on those um, and surrounding yourself with people that, um, that think like you, but also don't think like you. Because even people that don't agree with what you or your philosophy, obviously being respectful and they're not like just, you know, coming down <laughs> on you. But um, it, it opens up constructive criticism. You know, they might be a person who is just free weights and doesn't like barbell or just body weight or doesn't like to do any of that. And it's more like a yoga or whatever, whatever it is, whatever their yeah. discipline is. You could always learn from somebody. Um, so having that... Um, Giving yourself that opportunity to learn from everyone, even though they don't agree with you, is also going to give you, you know, that extra edge. Um, but, yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think you hit it right on the head, Stephanie. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I definitely agree. So this next one, next question that, uh, again, scrummaging through your social media, trying to figure out what I want to talk about in this episode, I said, yes, <laughs> which lands into kind of like the caring and building and the, and the listening aspect is – uh, the other post I saw that said, um, stimulate, don't annihilate. Um, yes. And this is something that I, that I talk about a lot uh, on my blog, on these episodes, even on a day-to-day with clients and patients is the difference between or the, the relationship better of capacity and load or capacity um, and you know goals and programs um, and understanding the relationship um, so that you want to be sustainable like you want to be able to do what you're doing forever you don't want to yeah you know you don't want you don't want to be doing something that might be causing an injury or whatever it may be um we want to make sure that we are exactly exactly we want to we want to provide this um environment for long-term success so without further ado talk to us about stimulate and don't annihilate yeah so i was you get there (laughs) so throughout powerlifting um my old coach um I worked with him for just over three years he would always you know be all about some maximal lifting and he would always you know emphasize the importance of training with some juice left in the tank um so you know obviously tracking RPE every single training session and all those things but it wasn't until recently when I uh just all, you know, all powerlifting meets got canceled this year, hence me signing up for a bodybuilding show. So um, I'm at the tail end of a whole 19 week prep. And at the start of this, I was doing all this research on bodybuilding. And one of one of my, it's hands down my favorite saying that I've came across. And I think Lee Haney, he's one of the American, one of next to Ronnie Coleman, he's one of America's best bodybuilders. He's an IFBB pro. And that I think this is where I, I read it either on a video or an article he wrote, but he always used to say, stimulate, don't annihilate. And I was like, damn, that's exactly how I feel about bodybuilding. And, um, you know, bodybuilding tr- style training or even powerlifting or anything to do with strength training. Um, if you're going to the gym and you feel like you get a good workout only when you're almost basically crawling out of the gym, 
you're, that's not sustainable. And if you can only get one to two workouts in a week like that, that's actually far less work than four to five lighter, more, you know, user-friendly workouts um, that are entirely sustainable for four to five times a week. So it's really important to think kind of long-term and, you know, fatigue is not something to fear. You shouldn't be like, oh, fatigue, like fatigue's the devil. Cause I feel like a lot of people, especially on social media, love to throw that word around. Like I'm fatigued. It's like, okay, Susan, like, what are you doing about it? Like <laughs> kind of thing. It's kind of like, a, it's becoming a glorified term. However, it's not to say that it's not important to pay attention to it. And I feel like a lot of people think that, hard work and progress and results require complete annihilation every single time you go into the gym training to Mm -hmm. failure all the time when that's actually not the case at all you don't need to be training to failure or beyond failure to see results and especially sustainable results at all when you see especially bodybuilders like they train um, to failure even past failure sometimes with assistance or partial reps that's because a usually it's a really small muscle group so it's common to see on lateral raises for example or bicep curls or like mostly arm exercises um because those muscle groups are super small and the recovery time on those are super short um you also can see some bodybuilders do it on lower body exercises but you never see them do it on compound movements. Like you don't really see it on squat or deadlift, but you can see it maybe on the leg press, for example. Um, and I think, you know, those, it's definitely important to push. It's uh, especially in terms of bodybuilding. Um, Cause it's not just really a walk in the park. However, I think, you know, the boring, you know, relaxed kind of sets where you're really focusing on proper scapular retraction or, you know, proper hip stability and bracing techniques, those are always looked over because they're boring. People are just going to scroll past it when they see it on social media these days. Like, you know, if you see a girl doing a glute workout, people are going to click on that versus, you know, a girl talking about proper bracing techniques and your safety and longevity in the sport. Which one are you Mm going to click on? I mean, I'm probably going to click on the bracing one, but um, most people will probably click on the one that's a little bit more attractive. Um, which is super shitty and it's definitely an uphill battle like as as a coach and someone who has a social media platform but in the end I think it's really important to remember the basics and it's super important to stimulate not annihilate you don't need to be working yourself to the absolute bone every single time you're training like at all so absolutely I mean it's the human body is such a smart 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 organism like all you really again there's different you know depending on the systems that we're working on and stuff like that but you know just giving it just enough um information and just like supplementing what it already knows can go a long way not to say Mm -hmm. that you can't go in there you know and and give it 100 percent and really see what you're made of but i don't think that should be every time right like you're mentioning it's not sustainable um, and it shouldn't be the majority of what you're doing. But um, you start to, when you start to kind of bring down the intensity, now you start to bring in some of that mindfulness. Um, yes. Because then you're, slow, you're starting to slow it down. And now that nervous system has time now to learn 
what's going on. You're not maybe you're not doing a whole bunch of reps or heavy, but ju- you're doing just enough to learn that movement a little bit better, to learn those techniques a little bit better, so that when you do go into that heavier realm, now it's quicker. It's kind of like things are, are exactly the, switch, the switches are turning on much quicker because you've learned already. Kind of you set up a good foundation uh, for mm-hmm. this movement or for this lift or for this program even. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I read this, I said stimulate, don't annihilate. I mean, that's much catchier than load versus capacity is what I've talked about. But yeah, um, yeah, it is easy it's, to understand. Yeah, it's talking about the same thing. Understanding, you know, where you're at. Understanding how much you want to push and um, being aware of that. Like understanding how hard and how little to push. Because uh, at the end of the day, you want to be able to see results for a long period of time, not just for a month or not just for one meet or, you know, not just exactly. for one event. You want to be able yeah, to do exactly. that year in, year out, season, you know, this season and six seasons from now. Um, I think exactly. a lot of times that as as athletes and just as uh, people who love to train, we tend to be a little short-sighted, right? We tend mm-hmm. to be like, all right, I got to get, I got to get ready for this meet or I got to get ready for summer or, hey, it's New Year's. New Year's resolution, right? It's usually like, yeah. I want to say like a three or six month window that we usually have, you know? And what yeah. I'm starting to talk about a little bit more is like, hey, how about we start talking about like five, 10 years from now? Like, where do you want to be 10 years from now? How does this training session, how does this conversation, how does this drill prep you for 10 years from now? Because if we start thinking, or even five years, if you want to go that far, but long-term kind of progress, because once we start thinking about that and we think of it as Legos, right, we start to build this strong foundation so that whatever we're trying to put on top of it, um, whatever program or, you know, discipline we're trying to add into our routine, now it starts to be a lot more um, sustainable and it starts to actually apply into what we're doing. And the cool thing with with, with this type of thinking is, you start to become also aware of what you like, like we talked about, what works for you because what works for somebody else or what works for 10 other people doesn't work for you. Um, you start to be really mindful of how your body reacts to things because if you're just kind of uh, kind of going in uh, no pain, no gain, no gain or just kind of like plowing through or trying to copy or imitate somebody else's thing just because of the way they look or what they've uh, been successful with is only going to last to... Uh, it's only going to last a short amount of time. Now, Mm -hmm. if you take that as a learning opportunity, sure, um, and start to build, again, think of this long-term mindset. Uh, Not only are you going to start to see, uh, yes, benefits could be a little slower, but not always the case, but you start to see more consistency. You start to see more enjoyment. You start to see learning, which is also very important. Um, and you start to see just progress over time. So, um, yeah, when I read this stimulate, don't annihilate, I said, ding, we got to talk about this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was great. And, yeah, and I completely agree. I think, again, I think with each coach, everyone that I brought on, uh, whether coach or therapist or instructor or whatever, onto this podcast, they might not have the same philosophy philosophy, philosophy as me. <laughs> uh, would it be okay? I, I completely uh I want that. I don't want everybody to agree with me and I don't want to agree with everyone. How boring would that be? But I know, right? I think everything that I think the one thing that we all agree on is being able to do what we love, being able to do it for a long time and to be able to learn on long uh, you know throughout the process. If we can do those things, I mean, we'd be a happy happy athlete. I mean, coach as well, so it goes Absolutely. Uh, both ways. Well, Stephanie, <laughs> I mean, how how can the audience 
reach out to you? I know you've given us your Instagram, which is Steph Earl Strong, right? At yes. Instagram? Yes. And then your, your website is stepheearlstrong.com, right? Yes. And then your YouTube, I, I looked at a, a few of the videos that you've been posting. I think it's great. <laughs> uh, your, your nutritional haul, it has a lot of uh, neat tricks and tips for people that are looking to kind of uh, go into the grocery store and actually understand what you're looking for. Um, yeah. So, um, for the listeners, you should be able to look at um, all these links to reach out to Stephanie um, below in the show notes. Oh, was there anything else or any other way you wanted to uh, have the yeah. audience uh, look up, look you up? or? Yeah, if anyone ever wanted to reach out and just had a conversation about me, whether you're looking for a new coach or you just have a general question, you can always feel free to send me an email um, as well. My email is info at stepearlstrong.com. Um, more than happy to have conversations with that too. And uh, yeah, as for the YouTube channel, I'm uh, documenting as much as I can about my current you know, bodybuilding prep, which is an exciting little change that I'm experimenting with this year. I'm definitely going back to powerlifting after. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to go back to powerlifting after. Um, but we're almost done. Um, and the YouTube channel is something that is new as well. So it's new. It's something that's new that I started up over um, the last few months of quarantine. Um, so if anyone had any suggestions on stuff that, that, that they want to see from me on my YouTube channel, um, absolutely always willing to hear your thoughts and stuff. You can always just send me a DM on Instagram and I always read everything. So I'd, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, well, I usually talk about book recommendations and you recommended yeah. the scientific principles of strength training by Mike. I do not know how to say that name is <laughs> James Hoffman and Chad Wesley Smith. Just give us yes. kind of like the, the rundown of why you um, recommended that book. Yeah. So a lot of people, um, I get this question a lot, especially when I do Q and A's just on my Instagram channel is where do I get certified? Where do I start if I want to learn more? where do, you know, where, like, where do I start my journey? And, um, you know, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer either. Um, there's so much free information online that you can uh, get from. However, this book in particular was recommended to me when I first started powerlifting myself four years ago. I wanted to gain more of an understanding on how programming actually works, especially from a, a competitive um, powerlifting standpoint. Um, so this this book in particular is awesome. I got a lot out of this book. Um, it talks about how and why a hypertrophy phase is important, how to transition that into a strength phase how to cycle between the two so you can not only see progress in your physique, um, but also strengthen your numbers um, as well. And it also talks about how to structure a successful powerlifting meat prep. Now, everything in this book, I don't always, I never 100% agree with or stand with or anything like that. I just personally found I got the most out of this book. However, I think it's really important to kind of say as well, if you are a new coach on here or like an old coach, you know, someone's been coaching for 10 years, regardless, I think it's really important to always look at things from an analytical perspective. Don't, yes, there's a point where you can like be a sponge and just kind of absorb all this information that you're getting from, whether it's a new certification course or a book that you're reading or an article on the internet um, or just scrolling on social media, but always looking and understanding those things with um, a grain of salt and you know always asking why like why is this person saying this 
why sh that question should be your best friend. And I think you'll get even more out of whatever you're searching for if you ask yourself those questions. So I got a lot out of this book. Um, it talks a lot about intensity and fatigue management and how to succeed, um, the importance of like GPP work, um, the application of specificity. It talks really about absolutely everything um, that you need to know from a superficial level level as a strength athlete. So I highly recommend that book, of course. So I got a lot of it. Love it. Love it. You hit some great points there. Um, Thank you. Two more parts to this podcast before I let you go, Stephanie. The no next one is going to be speed round. So here's a couple questions I throw at you uh, just to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, fun um, just fun, easy questions that you have limited time to answer. So we get, um, just whatever's on top of your head. So here we go. Amazing. I love, I love these. These are my absolute favorite. Yeah. I'm so ready. I'm like doing air squats uh, right now. <laughs> so oh God. Uh, here we go. Your greatest okay. fear. Oh my God. Uh, I would tell my therapist abandonment. <laughs> um, but I think, Ooh, you know, if I am on my deathbed feeling like I didn't live my life as full as I possibly could have, that. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yes. That's very scary. That's very scary. That's very common, actually. Uh, yeah. I'd rather, do the thing, I'd rather do the thing and fail than never do it and say and always wonder what would have happened. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Next question. Top three things on your bucket list. Top three things. Uh, oh, my God. Um, oh, shit. I haven't even thought of doing a bucket list for a while. Um, oh, man, I want to say, okay, I really want to travel to Italy. I really want to okay. go to Italy. Obviously, I have Why? no idea when that's going to happen. <laughs> um, I want to represent Team Canada for powerlifting on the world. Like, I want to go to Worlds. I did okay, go to Costa Rica for NAPS, but I want to go to Worlds. And then three. Oof. Try something new. That was, you know, something on my on my uh, short term bucket list. So I guess bodybuilding. That would be my third one. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Right. Next question. Last movie you saw, whether in person or Netflix or wherever you see your movies. Oh man. Uh oh my god. This is so embarrassing. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> I now, now, watched... now you have to. <laughs> I watched the uh pokemon the first movie a couple nights ago <laughs> where, where was that on netflix or something no i literally paid money and i rented it which is makes it even worse makes it even worse i'm a huge pokemon fan um i grew up watching the show with my twin brother and i've recently with my bodybuilding prep i have a very high step count i need to get every single day so i started playing pokemon go and um anyways my boyfriend chris and i the other night we were super bored and he turned to me and he's like do you want to watch a pokemon movie and i was like yes let's just do it so it was like an old childhood movie that we used to watch and it was very nostalgic so no, i watched nostalgia the nostalgia listen yeah there's, there is a whole pokemon world out there that i do not know about and maybe some of the listeners do and you might be part of that world so oh do not God. be sorry pokemon i world. hope someone's listening and is like wow yes and then they add me on Pokemon Go. That'd be super cool. <laughs> Absolutely. It probably already happened. Um, last question. Your favorite, if you do have one, superhero. My favorite superhero. Oh, man. Oof, that's a hard one. 
Um, I want to say, uh, I really like Iron Man. I really yeah. like Iron Man. Yeah. Great choice. Why do you like I Iron, Iron Man? Man? I really do you, do okay. you like. He, uh, here's a question: Do you like Iron Man the superhero, or do you like Robert Downey Jr.? I love Robert Downey Jr. and I also love the sass that Iron Man has. Like I love Got all it. the movies, I all the Marvel movies that Iron Man's in. I love it. Got yeah, it. I love his Got personality. It. I love. Yeah, oh yeah. I would say Iron Man. Great choice. Awesome. Well, with that being said, that's the conclusion <laughs> of our episode. But before I go, I do want to give special thanks. The first one goes to you, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to jump on this podcast. Um, I think the audience and I know for sure I got a lot of, uh, out of well, a lot out of our conversation, <laughs> uh, whether it's coaching, training, mindset, uh, so much that there is to be learned. And we got a lot of information here today from you, Stephanie. So thank you very much, truly, for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. The second thank you goes to our listeners. Listeners, thank you very much for giving us this platform to be able to share information and experiences from coaches just like Stephanie and others that we've had on this uh, podcast um, and just have good conversation. You know, I mean, that is a necessity in the world to have conversations. It started off with my abuelo a long time ago, and I said, I need to do more of this. And here we are bringing more information to you guys so thank you very much for giving us this platform and jumping on and listening the last thank you goes to our clients our students our patients and those who we get to work with on a daily basis um we love our job we love what we get to do you know i don't even call it a job but the things that we get to do where we get to teach and help people live and feel better um and just learn more about themselves so the fact that we get to do that on a day, daily basis and to have someone on the receiving end and that uh, understands the value that we're providing, that means a lot to us. So thank you very much to all those who we get to work with. So with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.